family good morning in conversation with ly this morning wlb 1010 and i'm happy to say we got a loaded program for you this morning absolutely uh we're going to be uh talking this morning with uh we'll say we'll say a gentleman who i spent uh, close to two decades uh doing my morning show and he's coming on board uh, he and i have not had our voices united on the same station at the same time for quite some time. But this morning, we're going to change that. Coach Butch McAdams will be with us this morning at 1015. And then we're going to turn our attention to Annapolis in two ways. At 1030, we're going to have our Annapolis report, and that's going to be given to us by State Senator Corey McRae of the 45th District. And then right after that, we're going to have our first exclusive conversation with the governor of the state of Maryland, Wes Moore, will be with us this morning. So we've got a full program for you, and uh, looking forward to it and uh, preparing. Uh, I tell you, it's been interesting. Uh, let, me, let me just say this, because it, it, uh, uh, Eric's in my way here this morning. It's a little incident. It's little, but it's, I just, it's just been seizing my mind. As we were coming up Emerson Avenue, there was a ambulance that was trying to come back. It was, was behind us, and they were trying to get in front of us. And what is it with people? You know when you hear that ambulance sound, you're supposed to pull over and let them get by. And uh, two cars, both of them just stayed stuck. <laughs> Bless Eric's heart. He's pushing the, 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 uh, the, the horn trying to get them to make moves so that the ambulance can get, because they're behind us. And I said, you know, what's wrong with these people? You know, I've I've had two situations where I was in an ambulance, and thank God they got there on time, got me to the hospital on time and all that kind of good stuff. But you have to, thank goodness that you've not been impacted. But if you have, the last thing you want is to be in a car and know that you have the pull to the side, and you do not do that. Please be so mindful of what is necessary. When an ambulance is behind you, pull over as quickly as you possibly can. Staying stalled, don't do it. All right. Let me chill back. Let me chill back. Okay, let me uh, move through it quickly. As it's stated, we got a to line up with the coach, Corey McCray, and the governor this morning. And uh, we're going to try to work it out. Miss Maybell has been kind enough to uh, let us use some of her time because the uh, governor is going to try to give us uh, a minimum of 30 minutes, and then he has to make uh, another commitment, and he likes to be as punctual as possible. So we're going to do what we can to get some Q&A in. If you have a question or two, you can call, and Sean will do his best to get you up. And so will I. Uh, but uh, um, 
Mark and uh, Shannon, Mark, Mark and uh, Eric and I are going to have just about a few minutes here to talk with you quickly, and then we're going to get to our guests within the time that I just stated to you. So, uh, Mark, how you doing? Hey, good morning, big brother. How you doing? Well, exciting day today. Yeah, jam, jam pack, jam pack show today. You know, and um. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you got the lineup that you got, um, Big Brother. We had a, um, we had a, a youth forum over in uh, Middle Branch, Cherry Hill, uh, the new facility over there, which is awesome. But I got a chance to uh, show the, the the mayor the video that I showed you, and I got a chance to show uh, Secretary Vince Soraldi the the video and the Southern District Commander. So, you know, they were all just as shocked and appalled at the video that me that, that I sent you. And uh and I don't know if you sent it to the governor, but you know, I hope you do. So, you know, I'm I am so looking forward uh to the day. Uh man, we had our young people over there Saturday. Uh L Y, you would have just been proud, man. We had uh Felicia Councilwoman Felicia Porter, the the, the mayor um, Secretary Chiraldi, and uh, just on and on, many organizations um, that's working with young people, many young people, and it was just exciting. And we're going to be at Bishop Daniels tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, Madison and, and, and um, North Avenue. We're going to be at his church tonight at 6 o'clock. Join us. i tell you one thing is for sure. When we talk about churches, being committed to a total community and being on the scene. You got to say that Reverend yes, Kevin sir. Daniels is right there. In the old yes, days, sir. when I was coming through, we had Frank Williams and Mar- Marion Bascom and Vernon Dobson and there were several others, Walter Thomas and my pastor, Carter Sr. and all. And I really take my hat off to him. He is really part of the community. And I got to Say your pastor, um, that's the first location five years ago, going on six years ago. We left from um, New Shallow, the parking lot, two, three hundred men, Mr. Miles, uh, um, uh, T.J. Smith's brother had just got murdered, him, um, uh, uh, Tory Smith, two-time Super Bowl champion Tory Smith, has been with us all the time there, and he would just mix in. He didn't want no, no, you know, fanfare and all that kind of stuff. We would go, we'd go to Gilmore and places like that. So I'm, you know, I want to thank your pastor. Also, that's the first location that I left from, New Shallow. Hey, hey, hey! Well, he is um, just, just, he just, he's strong, and he gets stronger and stronger, and he has a total commitment to what's the best in terms of empowering and bringing the word. No, no doubt about it. Um, as they say, you can have be off the a leaf from the tree. Well, he's more than a leaf. He's doing well. Okay. Yeah, let me, uh, well, what, what we got coming up Sunday, uh, Brother Biggie? Yeah. I'm still bleeding purple, but, you know, we got the Super Bowl. <laughs> we got the Super Bowl. Uh, I know who I'm going for because, you know, I can't see them getting Al Bowl since, since since they took Al Bowl from us. But, you know, the Super Bowl, y'all, you know, it ought to be a good game. We got the Chiefs, 49ers, 6.30 on Sunday, you know. Who y'all with? Because I'm definitely a Niners fan this week. I don't know about y'all. Who you with? 
Who you like, Mark? Mark, the muted and stuff. Who you like, Mark? I knew, look, all right, no, look. I know you going quick. I always got to root for the black quarterback. Okay. So you going for Patty? I always got to be yeah. black quarterback. I, look, I just can't do it because because I feel like it's Al's. Look, I can't do it. I can't do it because I feel like it's Al's. That's why. I, I mean, I understand I where you're coming you. from. I got you. You know what I mean? I, I can't be mad at you. But either way, look, I, I, I just hope for a good game. You know, I'm I'm going to hopefully yeah. enjoy, you know, somebody party because I ain't throwing one myself. But I'm going to try, you know, crack on somebody <laughs> party and, you know. Hey, but look, I know one thing. Why you better you better talk to Why? Yeah, you, you I know I he going to Shindig. I got to do a show Sunday. Okay, well I'll be somewhere. Look, either way, I know somebody's celebrating. You know, if not, look, I know how I have a good time by myself. I ain't, I ain't too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I like being in the house. You know. Okay. Look. Well, in any case, uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, working through uh, two or three selections and. I'll make one by middle of the week, but I'm going to definitely be at one of the Super Bowl parties. Okay. But one of the the one I went to for the Super Bowl for the not for for the uh, AFC Championship, the parking they were so busy trying to make money to park in the parking lot of the restaurant we were at, they charged fifty dollars per car. Mm. No, no. Everybody was trying to come up. I mean, everybody, man, it was. (laughs) I said, ain't this a blip? And look, they got it on that game because they was like, we might not get another one. And they was right, too, huh? They made that money. Fit. Look, they said, let me just get it on this one AFC game because we might not make the bowl. That was really something else. Okay. Yep. Let me get a, a couple things in before we start off uh, with my gigantic guests in just a few minutes here. Um, yes, sir. On this coming Thursday, uh, the, the, I, I was asked a couple of weeks ago, and I'm now we're doing it, we're going to set up a meeting on uh, this coming Thursday for those talk hosts and others who would like to see a serious mayoral forum, president city council forum, and a candidate's forum for United States Senate. We're going to get together because, to be honest with you, it's just a lackluster campaign. I'm sure the candidates might not feel that way, but we're going to start. I think if we can pull together six, seven, eight, maybe ten different groups form a united uh, coalition and put a form on for these three positions, mayor, president of council, and the U.S. Senate campaign. It'll be a major event. And so if you're interested, uh, we're going to be meeting this coming Thursday. Uh, We're going to be meeting at the boardroom of the Jew Heights Community Development Corporation, which is at 2140 McCullough Street. And uh, you're invited. Just call me and let me know you're coming so we can have, because we've got some information we're going to be passing out, and we're going to have enough information for those who want to come. It's going to be this coming Thursday, 7 o'clock, 2140 McCullough. This is for those organizations that want to come and unite with us. And we figured if we can show 10 or more groups together, all of us gal people together, we'll choose a date, time. And you know how I used to do it, Mark. Uh, if they don't come, we'll have an empty chair. We're gonna we're gonna right. get, we're gonna That's put right. them, we're gonna have this form. I'm expecting because of that number of people in the coalition, it'll be several hundred people uh, in attendance, and we we'll work right. through it. But anyway, the organizing of that will be this, this coming uh, Thursday night, seven o'clock. We'll be at the boardroom of the McCullough, excuse me, Jew uh, Jew Heights Community Development Corporation. We'll be in their uh, uh, boardroom, 
And uh, I just want to make sure those who are interested, if you want to come and be a part of it, just let me know in advance so we can have a good turnout and then put our dates out there and let these candidates for mayor, president of the council, and U.S. Senate. Now, we're not going to do all three on the same night. We're going to do three separate ones, one for mayor, one for president of the council, and one for U.S. Senate. So, But we're going to get together, organize, because uh, we got to put some spark. Okay, let me get this one caller in and then coming up. With 1015, uh, I've been looking forward to it ever, ever since he and I talked and worked out the time we could do it. And that's the coach. But hold tight. Let me get Money Mike in here. Money Mike, quickly, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Larry, Larry real quick. I want you to, or the station to get a message to Tyrone. I want to donate $500 to Marilyn Mosby, whether he pays for the bus or he pays for lunch or he pays for soda or for the seniors. And uh, he can go through Sean or Jason or you. And get in touch with me, and I'll be glad to do it for Mosby uh, and what she's going through. I appreciate the family doing what they can do, but i got to do my part. So uh, if you can get in touch with Tyrone or have somebody, uh, Jason and Sean know the normal channel. So uh, I'll be more than glad to do that. Wow. I want you to reserve the date of February the 20th, my money mark, and please give uh, to uh, Sean how I can reach out to you. I'll put more on that announcement I just said when when you when you and I talk. I'm going to call you today. And, uh, okay. It has nothing to do with what you offered up. It's something that we want to do, and it's going to be on Tuesday, February the 20th. Please put that, give Sean information, and I'll reach out to you later on the day, and I'll explain. All right, good buddy? Sounds good. Sean has my number. He can- okay. Okie dokie. Now, uh, without further ado, it's been too long, too long. And I would have to say most of it's been because of me not doing what I should have done, and that is to pick up that phone and have a conversation. And I can just share with you, it was really, really good. He and I have not had a chance to be on the same airway at the same time. But this morning, we're changing that right now. And as far as I'm concerned, one of the top leading individuals in sports, I don't know why, and if they did Talkers Magazine and did a thing on sports sports figures and, and coaches and things, he would rank in the top five in the nation, in my opinion. Let's go to the phone right now and pick up the very, very capable and strong and the talented. Butch McAdams, coach, good morning, good morning, good fella. Good morning, good morning. How are you and the team? Good morning, good morning. <sighs> it's good to hear you in my ears, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Good, well, good to hear you in my ears. After about 10 minutes, I think you will retract that. <laughs> you, know how, you know how we roll. And, and we roll so good, other than copy it out format. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Coach, most of the family knows that you you have not laid your, your your mic down. You've been so busy, and I hear about all the different spots and what you do, what you do, and you're the best, one of the best at it, no doubt about it. So, uh, what's what, what's what's a normal week for you like, man? Well, normal week is um, I do course on Sunday. Um, in and out of sports is going into his 13th season. I'm proud of that. That's on the sister station, WOL, 1450 AM. Then on Mondays, I've started the coaches game time conversation with attorney Tamer Smith-Wilson. I do my podcast sometimes two 
three times a week. So, as you know, I eat, sleep, and drink radio. So <laughs> I, I I love it. Eat, sleep, and radio. That's for sure, for sure. <laughs> Do you left something out, though, Larry. What's that, Mark? left out that that show comes on here on WOLB, I think, at 1 p.m. on Monday. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Coach, as you um, assess the situation, what's your take on 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 the Baltimore Ravens? Well, the Baltimore Ravens, as I've often said, are one of the top organizations in all the professional sports. They do it right, and they have an owner who gets out of the way. Ozzie Newsom is arguably one of the greatest general managers of all time, and Eric DaCosta has followed in his footsteps. And John Harbaugh is a very good coach. He's a top-five coach. Now, it doesn't mean he checks all the boxes that a head coach should check. He is a good coach because one of the main things, especially in the NFL, in coaching, is to be able to lead men, to get men motivated, to get them to go through a wall for you, and to get them to consistently play hard. He does that. Okay, but in doing that, in my opinion, they're not as disciplined as needs to be. And we witnessed that last week. Player for player, the Ravens' roster is better or certainly as good as Kansas City. But the difference was Kansas City had been there before. They're defending champions. They had the poise of a champion. And the Ravens were rattled, okay? They didn't play their game. And I felt, now this is just me. All right. I said it the week before. Y'all remember when Harbaugh, when they beat um, they beat Houston, he was in there dancing and celebrating. When I saw that, I said, oh, no. That didn't hit me right. Because once again, you don't dance. You don't celebrate to that extent until you've won the championship. Okay. And look at Mahomes last week. When they interviewed him after the game, you know, he said, hey, it was a good win against a really good team on the road, but we got one more game to go. And I just felt that the Ravens were too emotional and Kansas City was poised and the Ravens, again, got away from what they do best, run the football. And Kansas City's weakness on defense is not passing. They cover exceptionally well. But you can beat them by running the football. The Ravens got away from that. They were too emotional. And, um, you know, once again, as I said, Lamar's a great talent. He's a generational talent. Not a generational quarterback at this point, but a generational physical talent. But he has to play better in the playoffs if he wants to really, really seal his uh, legacy in terms of Hall of Fame. Because right now he's two and four. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So now, uh, where are we going to go to on Sunday with the San Francisco versus Kansas City? You got a choice yet? Well, yeah. It, it's it's going to be a good game. But how in the world can you really 
go against Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. And this is this is their what fifth Super Bowl in six years. And I question Brock Purdy. He has been a great manager, meaning that he's not going to beat you for the most part by himself, but he can manage the material and the pieces he has around him. But anything can happen. But I, if you're asking me now to pick one, I can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, and you appreciate this and some of the older listeners, Patrick Mahomes is Johnny Unitas with mobility. Wow. That's what he is. Wow, I haven't, heard that, every, one a, I haven't heard that one quite some he's, time. He's, he's Johnny Unitas. He's everything that Johnny U was in passing and accuracy and leadership and fire. He can put the ball, as we witnessed when Kelsey caught that touchdown, he can put the ball only where his receiver can get it. But he's mobile, and so he's unanimous with wheels. Okay, okay, gotcha. I hear you. I hear you. Big news uh, in sports. But the big news in sports, if you're a Baltimore fan, uh huh, is the new ownership for the Orioles. Oh, you know, because, Coach, we're gonna have the governor on in a little bit uh, this morning, and one of the things that I want to do is join with Derek Davis, who is the treasurer for the state of Maryland. And he yeah. said that the, uh, the for me, Baltimore based, that the Angelos and, and listen, the Angelos family is very, very, very dear to me personally as well as just that they're very, very, very dear to me. During my toughest hours, uh, Angelos put up twenty five thousand to help me with my legal defense fund. So I will always have admiration and appreciation for that family. But in their dealings with the state of Maryland, they were sitting at the dealing with the state, trying to get the new uh, stadium and all the things they needed out there. And at the same time, while, while telling the governor and the, and the Board of Public Works, negotiating with, uh, to sell the team. That, that wasn't fair, Coach. Well, no. I mean, it, it was not negotiating in good faith. However, if it's nothing, as you know, if it's nothing written, then there's no legal ramifications that can be taken, but they should have, they should have let the governor and the treasurer know that they were in negotiations or that there was a strong possibility that the ownership could change hands. They didn't do it, but all you can say is shame on you um, uh, because of my knowledge, nothing was, was written written down. Um, but if you're a fan, you should be excited because the Orioles, you know, we talk about Ozzie Newsom, the, the great Oz and, and Oz we trust. Right, right. But this guy, Elias for the Orioles, I've been watching sports almost all my life. I've never seen a general manager do a better job of turning a shipwreck into a cruiser. A shipwreck? Was it that bad? Well, I mean, it was obvious it was that bad. Look look how many last place finishes the Orioles had. And this guy comes from Houston, and he builds it. He not just builds it, 
but he builds it where the Orioles right now, under good ownership, should be competitive for the next six to ten years. Whoa. Okay, now, they're going to have to spend some money because the bad news is they're in the American League East, and you know the Yankees are gangsters. The Yankees got mad because they didn't make the playoffs, and they went out and they spent a whole lot of money and brought players in. And then you got Tampa Bay and Toronto. But the Orioles have talent. They have so much young talent that they may have to trade some of them. Wow. I've never seen, I've never witnessed that much talent come up at one time in a short period. That that general manager is, is awesome. He's awesome. I got to be honest with you, until you just said that, I, I never give, give the general much thought. Well, no, one, one no. of the things about the ownership team that I do like is that uh, I was watching, not watching, was reading the articles yesterday, and uh, former Mayor Kurt Smoke is part of the ownership coach. As well as Grand Hill. Grand Hill? Yes, as well as Grand Hill is part of that ownership. You know, Grand Hill's father, Calvin Hill, is a Baltimorean. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, but when Calvin was playing for the Washington football team, um, Grant grew up in the D.C. area over in Northern Virginia. But he's a part of that team. And, and you know, that's the thing. They're going to add most of the teams will add a athlete with name recognition. Like over here in Washington, the Harris Group has Magic Johnson. Now, Magic has a small percentage of the ownership, but he's pretty much the out-front guy. Now, how, did, how, how because of his name? Well, because of his name, yeah, absolutely. But And, and, and his name and his success... Just about everything magic touches, uh, hey, it becomes magic, no pun intended. You know, in, in terms of the sports, in terms of the business ventures. So, yeah, he's a part of the Washington Commanders, uh, but he's more of a face than financial uh, percentage. Now, you, uh, Mark, and you were talking about the fact that you have a show that comes on at 1 o'clock on Mondays. What, what's the, uh, the background for that? The show? Well, the background, the, the background for that is, is all things. It's, it's, you know, a miniature version of the Larry Young Morning Show with the coach where we do some sports. Um, last week, of course, it was the Ravens. But this week we're going to talk about the, the Mosby trial. We're going to talk about the situation in Annapolis with the juvenile justice situation. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, who's going to file, who hasn't filed, who will file for the mayoral race. So we'll try to get those three topics in at least today at 1 o'clock. Now, do you really think there's this uh, – uh, do we need any more running, people running? that's already out there? You know how I feel. No, we don't need them. some of the people that's, that's running shouldn't be running, but they but that's their right. It is but their right. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though, Larry. I'll say this, that it's like a buffet, and there shouldn't be any excuse for someone to say, I'm not voting 
because I don't like any of the candidates. You got a choice. You got good choices, okay? If you like the way things are currently, you can vote for the incumbent. If you really feel that you need a change, but you want someone with experience, you can vote for former Mayor Dixon. If you want someone that is totally out of the political realm, but is a good business person who's been successful, you got Bob Wallace. And then you've got Yolanda Pulley, who I believe has a pure heart. She's an activist. She cares about the people. And dedicated. And so if you if you're looking for someone like that, you got her. Now there are others, but I don't know them, so I can't talk. Well, you got Theroux. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I yeah. noticed this morning that uh, papers, taxpayers, are going to be funding some of these city campaigns because for the first time, a fund will give boost to like, hopefuls and others who qualify. They'll be able to get taxpayers' money to run their campaigns. Wow, that that's. What do you think of that? I was a little, I was a little hesitant, but uh, it's it is what it is. So we'll see. Listen, I I don't want to put you in a box, but I sure hope that it won't be too many Mondays that will go by that you won't find time to come and help me out, man. Because it would be a, it's been a joy. I can I my I can. Hey, no, I, I got these pockets and short arms, so you just 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 put a couple extra zeros on the check and I'll okay. see. Well, I, I, one thing is for sure, I'm not, not going to let no grass grow under my feet trying to reach well, out to you. Well, well, well no, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to move, move on down to, from uh, f- from the coach's corner on down to Annapolis right now. But let me just tell you personally, I thank you, I thank you, and I thank you. You're one of the best in the nation. And it's a joy to have you join us to compliment the show here. Thank you, Coach Butch McAdams. Thank you very much, man. Well, thank Coach. Okay. We're going to take a 30-second here, and then we're going to come back, and I'll be joined by the fantastic, the capable, strong man, no doubt about it, caring, Stay Senator to Corey McRae. He's up next right after this brief pause. And I never thought I'd be Good morning. In conversation with L.Y. here on WLB 1010. And uh, I am happy to say I believe I can do it with, with, with no hesitation. In fact, I know I can do it. We talk about a friend for our community. This gentleman is just that. He's about dedicated 
is, is you want to find to, to the cause of what's best for our community and a voice, a strong one at that. And that's State Senator Corey McRae of the 45th District. Senator McRae, good morning to you, good man. Just thanks for the opportunity. Okay, sir, here we are. This is week what now? In the session time, this is uh, week number five or four? I, I want to say I feel like we're in week number five. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us, what's what's going on down there, good man? L.Y., so I, um, obviously we're going through the budget. We're in the early stages of the budget, starting to have budget hearings with the respective agency for the past, I want to say, week and a half, two weeks. Um, we have, I have three bill hearings this week, uh, L.Y., I'll get the easy stuff, and then I'll move to the more contentious stuff. All right. Um, one, of the, one of the easier ones was the renaming of the Banneker-Douglas Museum to be renamed Banneker-Douglas Tubman Museum. Hmm. What that would do is it would be representative and make sure that women are moving in the same direction and we're uh, lifting up the works that Harriet Tubman also did. Sure. Um, the museum's also on board with that. This was actually a conversation when it was first discussions was first being made, and you can see that in their meeting minutes. And now I think that in 2024 we're taking a posture to make sure that we're representative of the entire state of Maryland, women also being represented, and making sure that we recognize their attributes. The second one that we did was the Virginia Tags Bill. And while I'm not sure if you saw, there have been an influx of just Virginia tags within the state of Maryland, but specifically the city of Baltimore. A number of folks that are riding around with these ghost tags do not have insurance. And what happens is that impacts folks that do live in the city of Baltimore. I work with Delegate Jackie Addison, working with the city of Baltimore, to say that if folks do not uh, register a vehicle within a 60-day time frame that is supposed to be done already in statute by Maryland Vehicle Administration, that gives the authority to the city of Baltimore to be able to get that car off of the street if they do their due diligence and making sure that they are a Marylander, that they aren't like a college student or a military veteran but are abusing the system, um, they will have that discretion. Um, and the third one that we've seen, L.Y., deals with uh, firearms. So I've always tried my best to take a balanced approach. I meet with my majors, my lieutenant colonels and colonels on a biweekly basis to go over every non-fatal shooting and homicide in my district. What I've seen is is that there's actually an influx of accidental shootings, L.Y. Mm. There's an influx of accidental shootings, and that majority of them are with people that do are not registered to carry a firearm, but there's also been an uptick in those that have uh, uh, the licensure to be able to carry a firearm from that standpoint. So what the bill that I did was, it basically said that those, and, and just so that you have some understanding, they have 30,000 people a year ago that were had a carry concealed permit. There are now 170,000 people Whoa. walking around the state of Maryland. That's five times as many people with carry conceals. And with these accidental shootings, what we learn is, is that they did not learn the two basic things that you have at firearm training. Make sure to uh, keep your finger off the trigger, check to see if the uh, firearm is chambered. And then there's always a third one. Make sure that you're not pointing in the direction of 
of yourself when you are loading or reloading or things of that nature. What we do is is that if a person does have an accidental shooting where they shoot themselves or they shoot the property damage of someone else, then they would just have to take the class, L.Y., the class that they had taken to acquire the firearm, a four-hour training, they would have to retake that. They would have to register within a 90-day uh, time frame. They would have to take the class within 120 days, and if they failed to take the class, then they would have their permit revoked. This is just for the carry conceal uh, folks because there is a significant uptick in people that do have their carry conceals at this moment. Wow. I like I like that. I like that. Yes, sir. I like that. Sure. Okay. Chances look good? I, I, th- I feel as though I had a good hearing in JPR. I think that there was some level of opposition um, that came from the traditionalists that just don't want any type of regulation. But the question, and I think Sidnor did a good job of this. Senator Sidnor, he asked the question to a number of folks, would you say that the people that are shooting themselves or property damage are negligent? Every firearm instructor agreed yes. Then they said, what would you uh uh, put forward as the suggestion to make sure that we can relieve the po- our population of this negligent behavior because they're either overconfident or they, they have um, uh, or, uh, or something is going on to where this takes place and none of them came back with any ideas. So the committee was very responsive. I think there's some movement to, to make sure that the bill moves out of committee. We'll see in the coming weeks. Okay. Uh, and we'll be able to know because we'll be able to get an update from you right here. <laughs> Oh, yes, geez. sir. Yes, sir. Every Monday. Tell me, uh, as uh, as the session goes along, uh, and I have the governor coming on the show this morning in about another seven minutes. Nice. Uh, nice. Is the honeymoon period over between the legislature and 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 this governor? I think that we all recognize that the governor is our leader. So, like, we have a Democratic leader at this moment. So our uh, what we're doing is we're just working in concert with the governor. The legislature has responsibilities. The administration has responsibilities. But I think that what you'll find is, is I think that we're all on the same page. We all want to get to the finish line. And how do we get to that finish line? We're co- collectively working together um, to do that. I had a meeting uh, with the governor, I want to say, last Thursday to talk about transportation, to talk about the Great Blacks and Wax Museum, but everything that we talked about, we walked out on the same page in reference to, like, what is the challenges that Baltimore City face, and how do we get there? And I also want to say, outside of transportation, we did phenomenal. Our BCCC is going to do well in this budget. Housing did phenomenal. Um, affordable housing did phenomenal within this budget. K-12 through uh, is fully funded in this budget, so Baltimore City did very well in the budget that was proposed in uh, um, just a couple weeks ago by the governor. The only things that we have to figure out is this transportation, and it's a significant um, complexities that has been put on his desk. Obviously, he didn't cause the issue, but at the end of the day, he is our leader, so he'll have to help us to figure that issue out. Several folks that I've talked with have a lot of questions about the uh, reduction in the Department of Transportation's budget, though. 
that, that that's a big one that that was a core of the conversation um i think that they came back with a one-year fix i think that i've been very vocal i think that i recognize that we can't have just a one-year fix we have to have a multi-year fix uh we talked about uh spaces such as like wamada wamada has a multi-year uh understanding of how their funding um challenges or funding capacity is going to be we have to do those same types of things with the mta i think that we saw a clear example is in December, uh, we saw the light rail shut down for about a couple weeks. We saw a restore, but that's a backlog of under maintenance that has taken place. And I also talked about our young folks. Well, I got four uh, kids that go to public school. Two of them are actually catching public transportation. The reality is, well, I have the privilege to be able to make sure that my kids get to school on time when that bus does not come or that bus uh, comes late. That is not the the circumstances for a good number of our folks, and we have to make sure that that's representative uh, within that budget. And I do feel confident that the governor hears that loud and clear. I do think that there will be some understanding of what does the direction, whether it is a a multi-year understanding or facilitation, but I do think that we're going to get there. Now, you stated that you had uh, some heavier issues you wanted to share with us in the remaining minutes we have here. Oh, those were the heavy ones. The contentious oh, okay. ones was the uh, accidental discharge okay. in, in the v, in the in the Virginia tags. The Tubman bill, the the Tubman bill was actually voted out of committee within minutes. It was the first day of Black History, and I'm just glad to be in such a body that understands the importance of women, but also understands the importance of history of African Americans within this country. Were well, you? I was. Uh particularly pleased with Derek Davis, our treasurer, state treasurer, and how he responded to the uh, situation regarding the Orioles not being upfront and truthful with the state and their dealings to get the contract worked out the way they did get it to be achieved. But it did not come to the table with an honest uh, presentation to the state. I thought Derek Davis was well to call them liars. You know what, L.Y., I'm, I'm always glad to be able to consider uh, Chairman, now Treasurer Davis, as a mentor. And one of the things that he's always taught is you be very direct, you be very succinct, and you represent our people in the manner that they need to be represented. And I think he was doing his due diligence when he called it out in reference um, to the Oreos and disingenuous about whether the team was going to be selling or things of that nature, there is some level of conversation that should have taken place with the Board of Public Works uh, uh, members. But I was proud of my treasurer at that moment for calling the spade a spade and just saying it is what it is. Like this, this, this is how it, this is what it is. And this is how it should have been, uh, would have been the most respectful way to go about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to do my best to get him on the show this week, before uh, next week for sure. Uh, and I love the job he's doing uh, in front of the Board of Public Works. He's calling out our agencies that are falling short of that 29%. He's letting them know that the posture of our state has changed and that this is not going to be the norm. And we have to raise the bar to a certain level of excellence to make sure that the third of the population within the state of Maryland, black folks are representative of the contracts that's put forward within that board. Of public works. I love it, man, and I'm near here for it. Amen, amen, amen. Is there an issue that's uh, going to be up this week that we should be monitor, uh, mindful of? 
You know what? I, I do want to lift up one of the things that the Senate delegation voted out. Uh, one of them was to make sure when we think about the level of vacancy, we think about the, the derelict homes that uh, people that own them may not even live, not in the city of Baltimore, but the state of Maryland. There is an opportunity. Senator, Senator Hayes has the bill, but there's an opportunity to make sure that we raise, we ha- the city will have the ability to raise the taxes on those homes where trees are growing out, where they're impacting other neighbors and things of that nature from the water and stuff like that. Um, So, L.Y., that was a bill that was voted unanimous. Glad to be able to do so and look forward to um, just the bills that's going to come before the delegation. I got you. I got you. Well, Senator, first of all, thank you very good, man. And uh, uh, if you don't mind, good sir, we're going to move from one side of Annapolis to the other side of Annapolis. We're going to go uh, on the second floor there in the state house. Is that all right with you? That, that, that's great with me, man. <laughs> Tell my governor I say hello, please. I'll take care of it and it, for sure. Thank you so very much. Yes, sir. Stay, Have Senator a blessed Corey day. McCray of the 45th District with the legislative update. Thank you, good man. And family with pride. But heel is on thy shore. Maryland, my Maryland. His torch is at thy temple door. Maryland, my Maryland. Avenge the. Without further ado. Let's go to the line right now, to the newsmaker line. And you talk about a newsmaker, newsmaker. The one and only, the very capable, I'm very proud to say, the governor of the state of Maryland, Westmore. My leader, my leader. How are you, sir? Good, good morning. Good morning to you, good man. Good morning to you. And uh, what a, I tell you the truth, I've been thinking about it the whole weekend. And thank you for being able to find the time, sir, to join us this morning here. And uh, I know the, the respectful of your time, so we're going to make the best of it. Uh, we thought that we oh, might yeah. have an opening statement or so, and then uh, I have a question or two, and we'll try to take within the time limits we have something from the public here. So, Governor, here we are at week number five of the Maryland General Assembly. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you know, and, and first I just want to say, you know, just, uh, Senator, uh, I, I thank God for you, and uh, and I'm just I'm grateful for all your work and leadership. I'm I'm actually just, uh, and I apologize for calling in on, on the phone instead of seeing you in person. I'm just coming in. From uh, from actually the uh, the home going of a, of a dear friend of mine and, and probably so many listeners, uh, Juan Christian, um, who uh, was just uh, having his home going ceremony over Bethel and me, uh, and so I'm just coming from that. Yes, but um, but you know, but it's it's uh, it's also an important reminder uh, because when I think about you know why did we get into this and who helped to get us here. Uh, you know, we were never to, to your, you know, to your point, you know, this, you know, we were never, uh, you know, an establishment's choice. You know, we were running against people who were statewide elected officials and running against people who were cabinet secretaries and that. And then you had somebody who, you know, who served in the military, who ran a, a successful small business in Baltimore, who ran one of the largest, you know, poverty fighting organizations in the country, but someone who has spent all of my time in the community. And and I think about people like Juan, 
I think about people like, you know, yourself, Senator, who, who, you know, people who believed in us and who did it just with the simple ask is that if you win, you know, when you get to the seat, don't forget who got you there. And the answer was always the people. And so I'm just I'm thankful because, you know, we're now coming on a year into into our into our work. And I'm and I'm really proud of what we've accomplished in the, in the first year. But it's not just the what. Right. It's not just the it's not just the fact that we've been able to do things like, you know, raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars and make permanent the child tax credit and give our state workers the earned raise that they uh, have so long desired and make Maryland the first state in the country that has a service share option for all of our high school graduates. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just the what. It's the how we've gotten it done and, and the fact that we've been able to work with community, with people, with lawmakers, with community groups to be able, with the business community, to be able to make big things happen in our state. And so we're, so we're proud and I'm grateful. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The uh, question I was asking of Senator McCray, and there were some speculations, good sir, that the honeymoon that you have enjoyed, because I can't remember a governor having their legislative agenda 100% accomplished in their first year. <laughs> I mean, that was almost unheard of. Yes, sir. But you got it yes, done. Do, do you suspect, now, but yet there's those who say the honeymoon is, period is over. I hope not, but what do you think? No, I don't, I, here's the thing. I, I don't believe in the honeymoon, right? I don't believe that's real. Uh, you know, I, 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 be, I believe we've decided to change the tone um, because if we came in with a different type of tone, then I don't think there ever would have been a quote unquote honeymoon period. Like the reason we went 10 for 10 on our legislative packages. And by the way, when 10 for 10 bipartisan, we got Democrat and Republican support on every bill that we introduced. That's not because of a honeymoon period. That's because we did the work. You know, it's not because of a honeymoon period. It's because we've changed the way that we have a real conversation between the, 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 the executive branch and the legislative branch. You know, we went, we went 10 for 10 because the bills we are proposing were bills that came from the community, right? And we worked in partnership with, the, with our legislative partners. And so this isn't – I don't have – and I'm not trying to have an adversarial relationship with our legislators. They're our partner in the work. And so I don't consider it to be a honeymoon period. I just think that people just, just get, should get accustomed to the fact that this is just how we move, and we plan on winning, and we do what it takes to, to, to win. And so, so, that, so, I, you know, so you're right. I mean, our first legislative agenda, it was a bold agenda. This next agenda is just as bold, and we plan on being just as successful. Amen. Can you share with us some of your legislative agenda? Absolutely. You know, you know I, I say it really breaks down into four different areas where we need to make Maryland, you know, we need to make Maryland safer. We need to make Maryland more affordable. We need to make Maryland more competitive. And we need to continue making Maryland the state that serves. Those are the four buckets that our entire legislative agenda falls under. And so when we're talking about things like how do you make Maryland, how do you make Maryland more safe? It means, you know, yes, we have to focus on accountability for people that are doing wrong. Uh, we have to make sure there's real accountability for people that are walking around our neighborhoods with these illegal guns and letting them know that accountability is coming to you. You cannot come in and terrorize our community and terrorize our, our, our family members. Uh, but we also know that we have 
have to invest in rehabilitation. We have to make sure that our that our that our that our people, particularly our young people, have a chance to rehabilitate, and that we have the proper services in place to be able to help and support. And so, so we have a whole series and a whole suite of legislative items to include uh, to include things like creating better pipelines to people that are entering into law enforcement. That we are coming up with greater measurements of support for victims. And so we have a victims compensation act. So those who have been the victims of crime can actually receive the support that they need. And we're working in partnership with the legislature on a, on a package to be able to address the issue of juvenile crime uh, that we continue to see and both with real measurements of accountability, but also real measurements of rehabilitation. When we talk about things like making Maryland more affordable, we focus on two major elements. It's house and it's childcare. And so we have the most aggressive housing package of really in generations wow. that we've seen come from a governor's office to focus on better elements of affordable housing, having greater elements of, 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 of protection for renters. Uh, and so by doing things like raising an eviction fee for renters and also making it easier for first time home buyers to be able to purchase homes and putting more capital into it. And, and for childcare, we just made the single largest investment in childcare in our state's history. A quarter of a billion dollars that is going towards child care, because if you do not have child care, people cannot get back to work. That's right. When we're talking about when we're talking about things like making Maryland more competitive, it's about how to allow more opportunities for for small businesses to be able to grow and thrive. Just in our first year, we put over uh, through the Board of Public Works, we put over one and a half billion dollars going towards MBEs, an historic number that's going towards MBEs for for government contracts and making sure that our MBEs have a better chance of thriving. And when we talk about a state that serves, we have to continue making pathways for our veterans and for our veteran families to be able to be supported. And that includes things like, uh, you know, giving giving supports for for uh, for spouses, uh, for military veterans. So we're really excited about this package. We think it's going to make a core concrete difference. And we're and we're hopeful for uh, for for its passage uh, during this legislative session. Whoa. Yes, sir. Now, will you be offering up a state of the state address soon? Oh yes, sir. <laughs> the state of the state's going to be on Wednesday, and I'm and I and I'm and I'm hoping everybody tunes in because you're going to hear us lay out a very clear, uh, a very clear and a very full throated, uh, uh, not just a plan for our vision and our values, but also it's the plan on how we get how we're going to get this done. And, and and people, you know, people come to learn that you know that that we're very much about the people, but I'm also very much about the details. Uh, you know, as I say, as a, as, a, as a leader, I am data driven and heart led. Uh, but we use data and people will see that we really get into the weeds of this. And so you will see us uh, deliver the state of the state, uh, which is going to take place on, on Wednesday afternoon. And I hope everyone checks it out because we are very going to very clearly going to lay out where the state is, but also where we see the state going and what it's going to take for all of us in partnership to be able to make big things happen. I was concerned we had missed the state of the state, but I'm happy that, that uh, we will be, and I'm doing everything I can because I want to come down and be in that chamber to see yes, you sir. deliver it this, this year. Looking forward to it. Absolutely and looking I, forward to and it. I, and I'd love for you to be there as my guest. I'm going to follow up, but I'd love for you to be there as my guest. Well, thank you very much. Now, now Governor, the uh, fact of the matter is I want the family to know that uh, usually we have to seek and search and push. With this gentleman right here, 
he and I have talked about doing something different and exclusive, and that is we're going to find issues. The next time he and I talk with you, family, it's going to be education, and he'll have time to do to spend time on that, and then we'll go take issue by issue. But today is our first one, opening the door for this conversation with the governor, so we are not uh, going to push but so much on the issues per se, but there will be time, and we, he's already said he wants to do it, so those of you interested in education, housing, transport, you name it, we will get to the topic as we go along, but keep in mind his schedule is what it is in the legislative session, so we might not be able to get him as frequent, but as soon as the session is over, We'll be able to work out a time, I'm sure, that works for all of us. Governor, what but, about but I, but I tell you, Senator, Please. and I'm really looking forward to it because I, 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 I'm thankful for you that you continue to offer the opportunity for us to be able to talk to the people. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about what we're getting done together and, and that, that our state is actually making big things happen. I mean, you, you think about just in the, in, the, in the first year where, you know, we were able to get the FBI building. You know, the the largest project that GSA is ever going to do, it's coming to the state of Maryland that we can lock in the Orioles for 30 years and making sure that we're not doing short-term deals and actually getting big things done. The, the, the fact that we can have, after eight years of watching the homicide rate and the non-fatal, shoot rating, uh, non-fatal, uh, non-fatal shootings rate nearly double over eight years, in our first year in office, we watched the homicide rates drop, the non-fatal shooting rates drop, Baltimore being under 300 homicides for the first time in nine years. Like, things are moving. And so I'm thankful for to have the opportunity to be able to speak with you and speak with, and speak with the family about, you know, not just what's happening, but also what we need to get done. And I'm very excited to talk about education because, uh, because I am, I am uh, you know, there is nothing that's going to be more important than making sure that our kids are getting the education that they need. And so I'm very excited to speak with you more about that. Wow. And Governor, we're going to take a 30-second pause, and then we'll be joined by the talented cable, Ms. Maybell. But before we get to that, at the executive level, what can you put in place to help the state prevent what happened with the Orioles from reoccurring? Is there any penalty the Orioles have for not disclosing that they were preparing to sell the team? Do you see any reason for concern under the new management? No, I mean, because one thing we remember is these are private companies, right? I mean, you know, people think ball teams and ball clubs that they, that they belong to an area. They don't. These are private companies. And I think you're seeing the same thing of what happened in Oakland, where you had the Oakland teams just leave. You saw the same thing of what happened, uh, what's happening in D.C. right now with the Capitals and the Wizards. Now talking about they want to go to Virginia. And frankly, for, for everybody in Baltimore, we remember the Mayflower trucks, right? We remember what happened in the middle of the night. Yes. These are private entities. And so the only yeah. thing that we can do as, as public stewards is to ensure that we are putting the right guidelines around around these public ent- around the you know the public assets. So, for example, when we first came in, there was no conversation. There was there, there was no negotiations or conversations between the state and the Baltimore Orioles. So, when I took office, the only thing that we knew is that we were less than a year away from having one of the most storied franchises in all of sports be homeless because they didn't have a lease done. And so we knew that we had to get to work, but there were three core guidelines that we laid out in the negotiations. And I give a huge amount of credit to the new head of the Maryland Stadium Authority, Craig Thompson, who led the charge and pulled together a legendary deal. He is a star. And, but there are three guidelines that we had around, around the deal. One was that we had to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. 
The second was that we had to create winners on and off the field. This wasn't just about a good ball club, but how are we creating winners off the field? And the third thing was I'm not doing a short-term lease. Because people were saying that, oh, you should do a one-year deal and do a one-year deal. One-year deals are not just unimaginative. They're dangerous. Because if you do not lock these teams in, they can and they will leave. And we've seen multiple examples of that. And so when you look at the deal that was crafted – The reason that we're so proud of this deal is locking the Orioles in for 30 years. It basically means it doesn't matter who the ownership, who who the owner is. It doesn't matter who the ownership group is. They will not be the Toledo Orioles. They will not be the Nashville (laughs) Orioles. They will be the Baltimore Orioles. And that was the reason that we were so insistent on locking in a long-term deal. Governor, we're going to take your business on this side, and we'll be right back with you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's 11.02 here on 1010 WOB. I want to thank Miss Miss May Bell. You can be here from just in a moment for joining with us. And you even catch her music as you know she picks and chooses what she likes. But right now we're having a conversation with the governor of the state of Maryland. And uh, I have to tell you, my phone is loaded with questions. And all I'm going to ask is that people remember I only have him allocated for a certain amount of time, and he's doing his part by calling on time, but I've also got to relieve him and so that he might move on with the rest of his uh, schedule as well. Governor, I just want to pick up on this one thought, and then I'm going to have Ms. Maybell and Samuel and Leo. Please, no filibuster, questions, and we'll get the governor, like he stated, to come back when we have more time than we have this morning to do. Governor, you never said anything, but many people see you as having the potential to be Maryland's version of Barack Obama's story. In order for that to happen, what measurable results must be achieved at the state level that would be transferable at the national level? Mm. Well, you know, I, 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 I appreciate uh, that, Senator. And I, and I tell you, I mean, I, I think about the honor that the people of this state have given me. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm probably the most improbable governor in America. Where I am, uh, you know, I'm the I'm the I'm the son of a of an immigrant single mother, who uh, who raised uh, who raised three kids on her own and who didn't get her first job that gave her benefits until I was 14 years old. Um, a kid who had handcuffs on my wrists when I was 11 years old. Someone who, you know, joined the army right out of high school, um, went to a two-year college, and you know, and doesn't doesn't come from a political family. So the the fact that the people of this state gave me the honor of being the 63rd governor of the state of Maryland. It's something that I, I take very seriously. And when I think about what Maryland is doing right now, um, how we're able to you know, be a state that is, is unafraid to lead, uh, that we're unafraid to be able to tackle big problems like the housing challenge, like we're able to make sure that we're making the proper investments in our education system that's going to turn us into the number one education system in the country. And we can have an education system that's teaching our young people how not just to be employees, but how to be employers. You know, the fact that when I took first took office as governor, we were ranked 43rd in, in unemployment uh, in the country. Now we have the lowest unemployment rate in America. Literally, for five straight months, Maryland has the lowest unemployment rate in the entire country. We've jumped 20 slots in economic momentum. Maryland's economy is moving as fast as any other state in this country right now. Uh, So I'm proud of a lot of things we've done, how we've gotten it done in partnership. 
uh, with community members, with the legislature, with local electeds, with with the media, with business community. And um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing that, you know, this is going to be Maryland's decade. This will be our time, our time where we're going to lead and we're going to lead from the front. And I'm thankful that people gave me the opportunity to do so. I can second that. Thank you much, sir, sir. Ms. Maybell, thank you very much for your time. And can you get your question into the governor? Yes. Good morning, Governor. How you doing? Good morning, Miss May. How you doing? Ah, I lo- say that again, Governor. I love you. <laughs> okay. My, my question is this. I, I solely take care of my disabled son, right? Yeah. I want to know, either in your administration or the one coming behind you, if there's ever somebody behind you, will there ever be affordable housing for handicapped people in wheelchairs or for people who can't take steps? Yes, yes, yes. First, first, God bless you, and thank you for, for your leadership and your consistent support. Oh, thank you. No, and I mean that. I mean that. And I'm telling you, one of the things that I love about this housing package that we have just introduced, we have just introduced a whole series of bills, uh, in, including one bill that I'm personally going to testify on. And, mm-hmm. and, Senator, you know that's not, a, that's not a normal thing for a governor to actually testify. No, it's not. That's not normal, but mm-hmm. this is two years in a row that we're actually, because I, I, I'll put my name behind these bills, and mm-hmm. I will testify on behalf of them, because we get into the weeds of this stuff, mm-hmm. and one of the bills that we're working, some of the work that we're working on is how we increasing access to affordable housing, mm-hmm. but it can't just be affordable, it has to be accessible. Exactly. It, it's got to make sure that everybody can live and participate in mm-hmm. that process, and so you're seeing in the package that we're laying out that we're working, uh, that we're working with the legislature on, uh, it is not just going to be affordable mm-hmm. uh, units, but it is accessible to make sure that everybody has a chance to live and live in dignity. And so you are seeing we are working on that right now. Yes, Governor, if you need to put me on the board of Handicap Associate, I'm, I'm ready to work with you because I have lived this firsthand and it was just so hard finding accessible housing for me and my son. So thank you for addressing that. I really appreciate you and I love what you're doing for our state. Keep it up. Keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. Let's Thank move you. over to right now to Leo. Leo? Yes, good morning. Governor Westmore and Senator Larry Young. Uh, Happy New Year. Let me Happy say, uh, go- yes, Governor, what are we going to do about regulating or re-regulating gas and electric services? In 1999, they deregulated here in this state. And as a consequence, poor and middle class are catching hell with rate increases. We know you appoint public service commissioners. What can we do? And are you in favor of or will you give consideration to establishing a re-regulation of gas and electric services so that we can control those price increases? Yes, God, God bless you, and thank you so much for the question. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, what, what's happening in terms of regulation, uh, and particularly for, for electricity, is there needs to be a measure of both transparency and consistency uh, that exists because we can't continue to have where, where people are watching the cost and the basic affordability of electricity continue to move at such high rates, and particularly in a short period of time uh, where people continue to have, uh, you know, continue to have, real challenges when it comes to when it comes to affordability of everything and what we're watching while inflation is breaking 
uh, we're still seeing that the larger cost of living continues to impact people. And so it's something that the that the uh, that the Public Service Commission, the PSC, which I, which uh, you know the governor does appoint, um, and I've 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 appointed a few. But there's still a few holdovers from the last administration, but this is something they are actually looking to address because I am absolutely for making sure that we just have real measurements of not just not just uh, accountability but transparency and consistency mm-hmm. when it comes to when it comes to electricity bills and how people are uh, and how people are are getting what they are uh, getting what they're paying for mm. all right samuel very quickly samuel yes thank you good morning can you hear me well yes sir yes, yes sir. thank you so much senator young good morning governor moore good morning good morning Thank you. I'm Samuel Jordan, president of the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition, BTEC. We have a question and request. Will you meet with our committee to explore our proposal that we call Escape Velocity Revenue Generation Strategy? Its purpose is to have the state of Maryland make an assertive entry into the general obligation bond market to finance the capture of substantial taxable private sector investments in public transportation infrastructure, the Red Line Light Rail Transit Project, and with Escape Velocity, the Red Line Light Rail will help escape the current crises in budget funding and investments with its three to six and a half billion dollars in transit-oriented development, 10,000 jobs, and a continuous source of taxable private sector-generated revenues, improved transit equity, and community development along the corridor and in the region for the next five to six decades and beyond. Mm. Well, you 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 must be uh, you must be reading our plan. Uh, about how we want to how we want to train. Then, then we can collaborate. We certainly want your leadership, and we can certainly collaborate with you. Well, as you saw, uh, you know, one of the big priorities that we've had on board when we came on uh, is about this red line. Uh, you know, I know that in the, in the in, for my predecessor, that wasn't a priority. It was something that was uh, was taken out. Uh, one of the first things that we did was we put it back in. We've got to make sure we get measurements of east-west transit. Uh, in the state in the state of Maryland and 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 specifically in Baltimore, because you cannot have economic mobility if you do not have physical mobility. And so you'll see we actually already in our in our proposed budget actually have plane dollars in for the red line to be able to get that back on track in in Baltimore. And you know, and one thing that I think people have also learned is you know we're willing to work with anybody who have ideas as to how we can move our economy forward and how to make sure that our economy is not just growing, but it's inclusive. And so, so we, we'd love to follow up with you and, and have, you, uh, have you meet with our team because I'd love to learn more about what you're working on. But, uh, but the goal of getting things like the red line done, that is very much a shared goal. Governor, because of the time limitations, I'm going to ask you this one last question. I want to thank you in advance for sharing your time with us this morning. And we working through uh, Mr. Elliott. It seems like we're going to be able to work out uh, opportunities such as this to, to uh, go forth. But I am excited about one thing that you've done so far this year, and that's the fact that you put out this idea called Enough. I mean, the to me, I mean, everybody has their own favorite. But to me, enough, as you stated, we will help transform distressed communities into places with top schools, good jobs, safe neighborhoods, quality housing, economic momentum. And that's the future that you're going to try to build. And as far as I'm concerned, enough, which is the first time a governor has placed emphasis so early on poverty. You're on point, sir. You're on point. Yes, sir. And and, now, and and I tell them, I'm clear, this is one of the big reasons why I ran for governor. 
Um, we've got to address the issue of poverty. We've got to address the issue of child poverty. It is, it is unconscionable that we continue to allow so many children, children to grow up in a measurement of poverty. And because if you are born into poverty, there's a very good chance you will die in poverty. And so it is our responsibility to be able to address that. And so what ENOUGH does, and ENOUGH, it actually is an acronym. It stands for Engaging Neighborhoods, Organizations, Unions, Governments, and Households. Uh, And what it does is it says we are going to make investments in areas uh, using both public dollars, private dollars, and philanthropic dollars uh, to be able to support the communities that generationally have been left behind. Because we know who these neighborhoods, who, where, who, which neighborhoods they are, because they haven't changed. And, and it's not just about are we pumping money into these areas. It's not just pumping money. Uh, it's about how are we adding real measurements of accountability and letting the solutions come from the community. Because one thing we're not going to do is just, is just say, oh, well, here's what the community needs and here's what the community needs. We've tried that before, and it doesn't work. The, you know, nothing right. about the community without the community. And so this is about working with community to come up with the best answers, the best practices, and then having the community present the plan that will then work in coordination with the state, work in coordination with the private sector, work in coordination with philanthropy to ensure that they are getting what they need and to ensure that we have the real type of build. So we're dealing with this issue of child poverty through educational supports, through job training, and really right. creating economic growth in every community, and not just some. Governor, we did our part. Thank you. You did your part for joining us as you stated you would. And we certainly look forward to catching you on Wednesday for the State of the State. And then right after that, we'll work out our other times in which you'll be able to join us here on the show. Thank you, Governor Westmore. Much appreciation to you. Good God man. bless you. Thank you. you soon. God bless y'all. <laughs>